Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. As a small business owner, you are the business, and you know the time you're spending on payroll and HR could be spent in a hundred better ways. Ceridian PowerPay is fast, simple, and intuitive software trusted by over 40,000 Canadian small business owners like you. Automate your HR and payroll processes, keep track of compliance, and pay your people from your desktop or mobile phone. Free up time to focus on what really matters when it comes to your business, and get back to doing what you love with Ceridian PowerPay. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and changemakers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and the lives of those driving the entrepreneurial movement in Canada. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Matt Curtis, and welcome to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. Today, we're thrilled to have Sonia Satvite on the show. Sonia's journey to becoming a femtech founder began with her own health story. When unaddressed hormone issues led to two miscarriages, Sonia realized our healthcare system wasn't designed to serve the unique needs of women. The guiding principle, let your pain become your purpose, led her to become a women's health advocate through her blog, Hormone Soup. When the blog reached women in 175 countries, she knew she had to do more to help, so she set out to transform women's health. Sonia founded an open source health. Sonia founded Open Source Health, which piloted the first precision medicine platform for women's health, a multinational project involving multiple stakeholders from the US, Canada, and Europe. Sonia published the results in the peer-reviewed journal, Learning Health Systems. She didn't stop there. Her mission, her vision to remove the gatekeepers to lab testing, give women control over their data, and empower them with knowledge resulted in her latest venture, a company called Canic DX. She and her team have developed the mini lab for the home to allow women to test their hormones and get real-time results delivered to their smartphone, all in the comfort of their own home. Welcome to the show, Sonia. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Matt. Really excited to be here. And we're just as excited to have you as well. So before we dive into our conversation today, what is the one thing you want entrepreneurs to take away from our conversation? Oh, wow. So I only get one thing. That's, uh, that's hard to, <laughs> to uh, keep it to one, one thing. I, um, Makes you think, though. It does make you think. And uh, for me, my journey has been so wide and varied over the years. I think, um, you know, one of the biggest things for me has been really the fact that I don't fit necessarily the stereotype people have in mind as a typical uh, tech founder. And right. so, you know, speaking to other uh, sort of 
maybe female or diverse founders who don't fit that mold. I'm a mature founder, a female founder. I'm also a non-technical founder. And so I don't check all the boxes. And for me, uh, I, I started to see that as an opportunity to redefine what being a founder looks like. And so instead of, you know, thinking of it in terms of um, a negative or, or worrying about it and that kind of thing, I think, you know, we're disruptors as entrepreneurs. We're out there and we're disrupting. We're changing industries. We're we're solving problems. And I think uh, really starting to look at that. If you're not a uh, um, what people consider a stereotypical founder, that's been a huge uh, learning um, curve for me. And now I just own it, embrace it, and realize that's exactly. Um, why I'm doing what I'm doing is uh, I'm disrupting more than just an industry really um, I think that's really important for us to uh, kind of own and, and see it as an opportunity mm. and that's something that I actually identify with myself and my career so far I mean like you know I've, I've just been just been an oddball both in my uh, my experience and uh, you know just me as a person as well which is probably why <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love weird and crazy people too. So uh, I think that it's uh, it's it's great not to fit a mold that somebody else created, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's especially what I think gets at the at the core of entrepreneurship. Because again, this is a this is an a, a, an industry where there are no molds. It's an industry of creating and innovating. And again, who better to uh, to create that mold than somebody who doesn't fit any of uh, any of the ones they've been placed in previously exactly i love it so on that note and uh, and of you building this mold then uh, what is canic dx inc what inspired you to start this business we touched on that in the bio a little bit but let's get into the story of what canic dx is yeah, for sure. Thank you. So Canic DX is uh, really we've what we've done is we've built a mini lab for the home uh, to really help women particularly uh, understand their hormones so that they can uh, achieve optimal health. And, and what inspired me is my own story, my personal health story involved, you know, for my whole life, uh, really feeling like there's something wrong with my hormones and having trouble getting anybody to listen and really not being able to get my hormones tested. And so I um, eventually it led to many health con concerns, infertility, miscarriages, and a host of other hormone-related health problems. But I did go on to have three kids, so that's the good news. And uh, my health didn't improve until I got access to testing and started getting answers around around uh, what was going on with my hormones. And so um, that led me to start blogging. And when I blogged it. Uh, you know, I was kind of a terrible blogger even at, at the beginning didn't really I didn't even know what a blog was when I started blogging I actually googled what is a blog so um, that's how you know really really grassroots kind of and, and um, naive I was I didn't even know blogging was an industry that was booming at that time I set out to really only uh, be able to help one woman feel not so alone or get to answers that was what I how I started out and there was never any intent to become a founder of a tech company. I reached women in 175 countries and uh, grew, you know, um, a great network of uh, healthcare uh, providers, doctors, people talking about women's health and other women's health advocates. And so that really just um, sparked my interest in this uh, patient transformation that was going on in, in the healthcare world, particularly in the US, but really globally. 
And when I started to dig in and going to conferences, I started to see patients were starting to transform the parts of healthcare that were important to them. And I realized I've been watching and waiting for someone to transform women's health the way I kind of envision it could be so much better and nobody was doing it. And then I just said, you know what, I, um, I can't wait any longer for someone else to, to uh, fix women's health care. I, I need to at least give it a try. And that's when I, I founded um, Open Source Health. And one of the things that we were working on is um, uh, devising a, a way for women to be able to uh, detect their hormones at home in a some sort of like little mini lab at home. And so I'm working with scientists in Estonia and um, my scientific team has uh, led us to a breakthrough in hormone detection so that uh, no special skills are required, no pre-processing of the blood is required and it would work, you know, kind of similar to a glucometer. We all understand that, you know, how mm. diabetics would prick their finger and, um, and you know, find out what their glucose reading is. And so our hormone, um, sensing device will work uh, similar to that, but we'll be able to detect uh, a wide variety of hormones. You know, the typical ones that we hear about progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, but then some other protein hormones we'll work on and thyroid hormones as well. And um, so that was what inspired me and sort of the, the, the story of from how I begin my extremely humble beginnings um, with my homemade blog at the beginning to, uh, you know, to just pulling the trigger on on uh, finding an amazing team of people to help me, uh, you know, bring my vision to to reality. And just incidentally, mm -hmm. you know, through blogging, um, that's when I really learned that I wasn't alone in terms of the biggest challenges that we all face uh, as women with hormone-related problems is access to uh, testing and really understanding what's going on with our hormones. In fact, women have only been allowed to be in research um, since 1993 when the uh, NIH in the United States changed their guidelines to allow women to participate in research. So that's pretty, uh, you know, pretty short. And that was in 93? 1993. That's, that's, oh my God. that's recent history, you know. So that's why women are so underserved in healthcare. We've only been allowed to participate in research, and, and that's a U.S. stat, but, you know, other countries um, have followed um, along there. And even then, women were slowly starting to be allowed to be in, invited into research, but researchers didn't always um, report on gender differences. So the problem continued for many years thereafter. So that's why I, I think women are still kind of... Um, struggling with a lot of healthcare issues. Mm. Well, you're laying the tracks for it. That's uh, that's certainly uh, that's that's no uh, no word of a lie there. And I, I want to uh, I one thing I, I want to kind of dive into a little bit uh, in everything you just said there was um, coming from your background. You said as a non-technical founder, I really am interested in how much you needed to just kind of learn on the fly about you know the body, about the hormone system. So like. What was your background and, and how much, you know, of this knowledge surrounding uh, surrounding bodily functions and changes and hormones did you have to absorb along the way to become, again, this, this leading voice and to get that sense of, like, this is who I am, this is what I do, and I'm a professional in talking about women's hormones. I'm an expert in talking about women's hormones. 
You're right. It's been drinking like a fire hose uh, for me. And I think that's probably true for a lot of, uh, you know, uh, non-technical founders, but also um, founders who are, are, you know, working on disrupting a, a really big um, industry. And so for me, um, when I started blogging, um, I already had been, I don't know if you want to call it a citizen researcher on my own healthcare and for a lot of families and friends, uh, family members and friends. And so I already had gathered tons of information back in the day um, when I was having my miscarriages, there was no real healthcare information on the internet. So I was, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel to try and find anything out. My firstborn daughter is 20 years old. She just turned 20 a couple weeks ago. And um, so I've been researching and understanding hormones for many, many years before I ever decided to become an entrepreneur. And um, um, just to kind of put that into perspective, I started blogging and reaching other uh, people who were, you know, filling in the gaps of my knowledge and that kind of thing. So really what I've done, though, is surround myself with a team of people who are just incredibly brilliant and who, you know, I, I, I'm an expert in terms of only, you know, as much as a citizen could be, but I've surrounded myself with a team of absolute, the most brilliant, brightest, uh, forward thinking doctors, medical advisors, naturopaths, uh, people who are involved in integrative health and uh, scientists. So that's how I think you fill in mm. the gaps as a non-technical founder is I just knew if I was going to do this, I had to find the brightest people and surround myself uh, you know, with that kind of a team and then learn from them. So, you know, every day for me is a learning opportunity as I think it should be. So I, I, what I would love to know then building on that is in those first conversations you were having with, uh, with your A team, you know, how did you approach them and be like, Hey, I got this idea that nobody else is doing right now. And, and how did you get them to go like, Oh, you're actually right. Yes, I am going to do this. This makes complete sense. And uh, as speaking as somebody again with uh, with this, you know, lack of a background in uh, in medicine, this lack of a background in uh, in physiology and things like that. How did you how did you cross that hump and be like, no, trust me, like I know this, I know this is a good idea. <laughs> you know, that's such a good question. I sometimes am in awe of it as well, but I think um, I think it's because. Uh, first of all, I really understand the problem intimately, and I understand the bigger picture um, just from blogging and from being, you know, aware of my own problems and then the bigger challenge and having personal conversations with women around the globe about the problems that they're facing. And so when I approach somebody who, um, you know, is an expert in the field or a an amazing uh, doctor, they all also understand the problem. So as soon as I start talking, they hear my passion, my authenticity, they know that I've, you know, suffered in the trenches along with uh, a lot of other women that they see every day as patients, for example. So I've been able to um, attract people to come and work with me based on on those things. They see the issue and they're like, yes, I want to be a part of something that is going to change lives. And I think that's really, really uh, cool as an entrepreneur uh, who's, you know, out there trying to make an impact is that other people who also want to make an impact 
come and and come and work with me and and I think that's really important uh, for someone like myself who wouldn't really be doing this if I wasn't out there trying to make a change for women for in the long run you know and so I think that's that's really what it boils down to and actually my um, the my chief uh, operating officer for open source health when I started that company uh, it was somebody I met on um, mm. Twitter and we had had a few Twitter conversations I kind of joke around that I stalked him on Twitter but uh, he's a guy from from Texas uh, who is um, you know wrote the book hacking healthcare his name is Fred Trotter and uh, I met him at a conference down in Silicon Valley and three weeks later he was up in Toronto um, and we started working together and so you know same reason he saw my passion and the authentic nature of what I was trying to do and really got it and and wanted to be part of something like that so you know I think there's uh, <laughs> there's a lot to be said for um, you know how you approach uh, approach people mm. and I think there's even more to be said as well for doing the kind of you know like it, I'm sure at the time when you were doing it it didn't feel like market research but I, I would say that's almost exactly what you were doing in the terms of your blogging in the terms of talking to all these people and, and just realizing that there was a a truly uh, demonstrable need for a service that you ended up realizing along the way that uh that you know you just had to you had to be the one to provide it even if you weren't going to be the one in the lab you know coming up with uh, with the testing strips or anything like that you were the one championing the idea and and bringing the people together and uh, it seems to me that this is almost something like uh, uh, you know it, it seems like it was very in, a very intuitive journey for you it was really intuitive and you know because I know um, I know the problem I know what women want but I don't have the data. I only fairly recently went out to sort of gather some some, some data around that uh, in terms of market research, and I interviewed women with hormone and thyroid conditions to find out, you know, what what percentage of women actually want something like this. I knew they did, but the number even surprised me. Ninety nine percent of the women with hormone and thyroid conditions want at home real time results. Uh, that was huge. That. That was even more than I could have predicted. Only one percent, and those were women, um, typically that were in menopause, and so didn't really feel that uh, you know burning desire. And there was only a, a, a such a small number. And then the frequency of testing was something else that blew me away. I thought women, I knew women would want to be tested much more frequently than they are, which is usually annual testing if they can get it. They might get an annual a thyroid or hormone test. Uh, maybe a little bit more if they're having problems, but um, uh, the number surprised me again. Only 1% were okay with the current standard of care annual testing. So that spoke volumes to me. So even though I thought I knew it was extreme, it was even greater than what I had anticipated. So Sonia, business, as I'm sure you know, is personal. And Startup Canada, what we're doing is we're trying to champion a conversation around mental health for entrepreneurs. How do you feel that some of the issues you're tackling, so women's endocrine systems, women's reproductive systems, and sexual health, how do you feel that those impact the mental health of women entrepreneurs? Oh, Matt, this is such a great question, actually, um, because I, you know, uh, talk about mental health uh, quite openly and the fact that I 
actually suffered from postpartum mood disorder increasingly with each of my three children to the point that after my third, it was actually debilitating. And so I'm pretty passionate about opening up the conversation about mental health and ending the stigma around it. Um, And I think it's really important in the workplace and it's really important, you know, for uh, people like me who have kind of come through to the other side and uh, be able to reach out and, and talk you know, talk openly about it. And I've even had people uh, tell me, you know, with my blogging, I'm a pretty open book. And, you know, now that I'm a founder, maybe I should, uh, you know, not necessarily have such personal conversations. But I feel the exact opposite. I feel like it's our uh, kind of almost our duty, I guess, to to be able to speak out about it because um, it's such a critical issue and so many um, mental health issues and hormone health issues go hand in hand. Actually, a lot of um, uh, hormone disruption uh, results in in, um, symptoms around mental mental health, such as anxiety, depression, um, and so on. And so I think it's a conversation, of course, it's near and dear to my heart. And also we need to have more than just have a conversation about it. We need to start taking action around it and look at ways that we can not just end the stigma, but support people going through, um, you know, mental uh, illness, uh, crises, and and in different uh, life stages as well. Women in menopause often um, uh, report issues around mental health, but really across the lifespan and our endocrine health and uh, our mental health are so intimately tied together. In fact, um, really, I recommend everybody um, with a mental health issue should be screened for um, hormone and thyroid uh, disease. And that's coming from places like the American Thyroid Association recommending it. So, you know, it's really an important topic uh, that we need to address in the workplace as well. And as founders, I think, you know, for me, I feel no shame um, in talking about it. So um, I think uh, the young people today are talking about it a little bit more openly. We're starting to have that conversation. So hopefully we'll see, uh, you know, some, some solutions coming out of that as well. I think you're exactly right when it comes to the uh, that question of, um, as you said, you know, feeling open and uh, and able to talk about that, and almost a responsibility to talk about it as a founder yourself. Because again, a, a kind of common thread that comes up every time we uh, we have guests on this podcast is the need uh, the need for someone to see it in order to be it. So if somebody's able to see somebody that has you know the same issues that they've dealt with their entire lives. Um, doing the things that they wish and hope and feel that they can do, it's going to uh, it's going to start that cycle and going to start that process. So thank you so much for sharing, uh, you know, your your thoughts and and what you feel is your responsibility on that. Um, and to kind of build from there and and leap into another issue is um, one that comes up time and again is ageism among women entrepreneurs uh, from right from accessing capital and ecosystem to uh, support to integrating higher demands. Do you have any thoughts on uh, or comments on ageism? Has it been a part of your experience as an entrepreneur? <laughs> yeah. Do I have any thoughts on that? Yes, I do. Actually, um, of of course, I'm uh, you know not what you consider, what people consider to be a stereotypical entrepreneur, but um, 
uh, I haven't had any blatant, uh, you know, discriminatory experiences that, you know, that I could relay. But I think it's kind of always there and it's it's underlying. And it's even in terms of uh, what the average person or the average investor thinks is a great, uh, you know, founder to invest in. And, you know, let me just tell you, share some stats with you, because I, I do care about this topic. And in fact, age does predict success. They've they've proven that out, but it's in the opposite way that most people think. Both MIT and Northwestern University have done research and found that founders all the way into their 50s are as successful or more successful than younger founders, which I find quite fascinating. And success under 25 among founders is nearly non-existent. So that image of, you know, a young 21-year-old in a hoodie, um, whose male is just that barely ever happens. It's, it's a tough thing to find. And the highest growth startups are founded by entrepreneurs over age 45. And in some industries, it's even over age 50. So we're talking, you know, a completely different age bracket than what most people think. And a 50 year old founder is two times almost more likely to achieve high growth than a founder even in their 30s. So um, I was wondering like what you think the average age of a startup founder might be because I think most people think it's somebody in their 20s. I uh, I have to say that from what I've read I think it's around 40 to 45. Yeah 42 is the average age and in different uh, industries it may be even a little bit um, older than that and so um, you know I was at a startup competition in uh and, and up on the stage and looking across this amazing, great, vast group of, of founders. And wow, they were so diverse and every age group. And in fact, I would say more tended to be on the more mature side. And they they all look different. And it was just amazing. And I thought that's the picture of what, you know, a, a true picture of what a group of founders looks like. And I'd like to see more of that kind of being talked about. But um uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, accessing capital and ecosystem support, of course, it's often centered around uh, universities, which are, tend to be younger, and uh, and talking about the the young folks who have lots of great ideas out there. But um, you know, there's this whole uh, gap um, missing, and including among uh, you know discrimination faces being, by being a female or a diverse founder, and so. Uh, you know, less than 3% of venture capital is going to uh, female founders, yet they uh, tend to be uh, much more successful if you have a female founder on, on, on your team. So, and I, I have to say, never underestimate a woman in her 40s and beyond, because that's when uh, she really gets going. That's when we, you know, kind of come into our own, and it's an exciting time of life. So, that's the most badass group of women that I know is, uh, is that group of women. So, yeah and and i think on that note one thing there really is to be said for that is just the 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 experience and the patience and everything else that just comes with those you know few extra years in the workforce those few extra years in an industry and just uh knowing not even in in general senses you know about uh about you know the business sector itself but just the knowledge and wherewithal and experience to just, you know, know that things need time to happen, to know the right time to do things. And the, uh, the experience that just comes from, 
from knowing that things take more time than you think that they will and knowing that um, what is needed more often than not is just patience. Patience is key, that's for sure. And and becoming a problem solver, uh, somebody who really understands that, you know, for me, I just uh, believe that all problems are solvable and we just need to find a, a way to, to, you know, uh, tackle each and every problem that comes up and I think that comes with experience you know you don't get to be in your you know 50s uh, without having faced a number of problems in the workforce and outside of it and so I think that the more mature and this is just me I haven't read anything you know specifically about this but just from my own perspective um, I can solve a problem today much differently than I could you know, when I was 25, I just have that much more experience. And I know that there's always a way um, to figure it out if, uh, if you can. And I think also, you know, being a female, um, but also probably being older, being part of a team uh, just uh, makes so much sense. And uh, I think you have had more experience kind of working in, in a team environment and, and be able to really recognize, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the the uh, skills of the people around you as well and what they bring to the table. That's been my experience anyway. And on that note of uh, any problem being solvable for our audience members who may be uh, struggling with maintaining wellness while starting up, what advice do you have for them? How do you recommend uh, they prioritize their wellness at the same time as their business? Oh, that's so hard when you're starting out and your business just seems like it needs you 24-7 and, and um, you know, expectations are coming at you from every direction and uh, you tend to put your own wellness, you know, on the back burner. I know I sure did at the beginning and uh, that really causes you, you know, to to take a look at how you're prioritizing your time. And, and so I really now believe that you have to make sure and, and put that, um, put that piece of, of your life on like right into your calendar and, and put it down as a, as a goal. I kind of run my um, week with uh, some boundaries around, around my time a little bit. And so I start my, I call it weekly one and daily three. My week kind of has a theme I set at the beginning of the week based on sort of what goals I want to achieve that week. And then I uh, every day have kind of daily three things that are non-negotiable. I don't take those off my calendar. They're things that I must, you know, be checking that box off at the end of the day. And one of them is always a self-care item now. It wasn't when I started and uh, I learned uh, really quickly that, you know, that has to be included. Uh, I'm only as good as I feel. And so if I'm not getting the proper sleep or exercise or for me, time outside in nature is really important. And so whether I'm doing Pilates or or meditating, whatever it is, um, I'll at least get one self-care activity on that daily three. And, uh, you know, maybe I have time for more. And uh, obviously, I do more than three things in a day. But at the end of the week, I know that I've accomplished, you know, those items. And uh, I, I make time for that that self-care. I think it's really important as a founder. So, Sonia, to go from the uh, the microscope to the macroscope, um, here at Startup Canada, we're championing the UN Sustainable Development Goals by advancing a conversation about social impact. So you've built an impact-driven business, and I want you to share with the audience how having that impact at your core has helped propel your business forward. 
Oh, Matt, well, not only has it propelled uh, me forward, it's the entire reason that I'm in business in the first place. I think I shared with you, you know, uh, the story about how I couldn't, uh, you know, sit by. Blogging was no longer enough. I was getting emails and stories from women all over the world sharing their uh, suffering and their uh, attempts to try and get uh, solutions around their their health, including their mental health. And I just realized I'd been through all this before and found some ways to get myself uh, the the best kind of health care and, and work my way to optimal health. But it was a huge challenge. And so um, that's what got me into business in the first place. Um, I don't even know if having an impact-driven business was, was something that was uh, talked about, you know, years ago when I started blogging. But the way it keeps me going is um, when things get tough as a founder, which they always will, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a slug sometimes getting through some of the tough times. This is what keeps me going. I mean, I hear from women still today, even though I hardly ever blog anymore. But, um, you know, stories like a woman in her 70s, who told me when I talked to her about Canic DX and she was participating in one of my surveys, she said she she suffered for over 70 years from hormone and thyroid problems and she just begged me. She said, please make this happen in my lifetime. You know, she's facing the end of her life and she just wants to see some some change for not only herself but for younger women too. And so I think, uh, you know, I wouldn't be obviously doing this if it wasn't for the impact that I think that uh, our, our technology could create around the world and uh, help women and men. I mean, men have hormones too, but obviously our target market is women but um but uh that's that's the reason i'm i'm in business mm. thank you so much for sharing that so and i think that's a that really is a great picture of um of again what uh what is not only required but what you know the benefits are of, of building a business that's about more than just a bottom line <clears throat> absolutely so sonny as we're nearing the end of our conversation today um what, looking back, would you say is the most actionable piece of advice from everything we talked about that entrepreneurs could take and immediately implement in their business? Oh, wow. Okay, just one thing again. Uh, but <clears throat> something that's actionable, I think, is um, is really around those boundaries. Um, as a founder uh, and you're, you know, you're working on your business um, every day, pushing, 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 you know, to get things done and so on. I think the number one thing that people um, can do is, is, is that self-care piece. Uh, there are really high highs and really low lows in entrepreneurship, no matter what kind of business you're starting. The highs are high, the lows are low. It's a wild ride at times. And uh, the only way to get through that, I think, um, is to try and, you know, find some middle ground there. And to me, that involves uh, self-care and establishing boundaries, maybe boundaries around personal and, and business life and, and that kind of thing. And it's something that I had to learn um, over time because at the beginning I was all in and I felt like I, I, I couldn't have, you know, boundaries and, and I couldn't uh, set them at the beginning because I just felt like I had to be everywhere everybody wanted me to be. And I think, uh, you know, if I could go back and, and start that differently, I would have, um, 
you know, set some of those boundaries at the beginning. Nonetheless, you learn as you go. And uh, that was a great learning opportunity for me to realize, you know what, this isn't working. I'm way more productive when I do put boundaries. My investors want me to be well. My Everybody that I'm working with wants uh, each other to be well. And also you're setting an example for the people around you as well. Um, it benefits everybody at the end of the day when you when you can do that. And I think that's a really actionable piece that people can, um, you know, literally start today. Mm-hmm. That's a fantastic, uh, fantastic way to wrap this up, Sonia, really. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your experience, your uh, entrepreneurial expertise. Uh, Sonia, if our listeners want to know more about you and your business, uh, how could they get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, so our website is canicdx.com, and uh, I'm on Twitter. Would you mind just spelling that out for the audience? Oh, yeah, sure. So it's canic, Q-A-N-I-K-D-X.com. And I'm on Twitter personally at Hormone Soup. All right, that's awesome. Sonny, again, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, we look forward to seeing everything that uh, Canic DX gets up to in the next few years. Thanks so much, Matt. Have a great day. Not a problem, Sonia. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Until next week, I'm your host, Matt Curtis. Go check out the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. 